Welcome to Weight Loss Made Simple. I'm Dr. Stacy Heimberger, a physician and advanced certified weight loss coach. If you're on a mission to not only lose weight, but also transform your health and wellness, you've landed in the perfect spot. Forget about restrictive, trendy diets. We're cutting through the noise and zeroing in on two fundamental pillars that will empower you to achieve lasting weight loss. So if you're ready to transform your life, let's dive in. Welcome back to the Weight Loss Made Simple podcast. I'm Dr. Stacey Heimberger, and today we are going to talk about a topic that affects all of us. It's sugar and its impact on our hunger. Now, if you follow me at all, you know that I go by sugar-free MD, and everyone assumes that means no sugar, and that's not really what it means. It just means that when I started losing weight and doing this work myself, I did a lot of research on sugar, and It's really amazing how much it affects our hunger. And I like things to be easy. So when I decided that I was going to try something different to lose weight, and I had read that sugar could make me hungrier, I thought, well, let me give up sugar so that I'm not hungry. Because wouldn't weight loss be easier if we weren't as hungry? So that's how I got into researching all of this about sugar and wanted to share this with you today. So... To start, let's talk about our hunger hormones. This is going to be as less nerdy as I can make it for you. I'm going to try not to be too technical, but I do want you to get a basic understanding. So we have two key players in our hunger. We have ghrelin, which is dubbed the hunger hormone. And I like to remember this one because it's what I think makes our stomach growl, right? So ghrelin growl, it means I'm hungry. My brain is signaling that it's time to eat. And so this hormone is high when we are hungry. The other one is leptin, and that's our full hormone. So that's the one that says we've had enough, we're good, we're satisfied. And so those two work in harmony with each other. But we have to eat. (laughs) So we take in glucose, and that releases insulin. And insulin really plays a huge role in how ghrelin and leptin work. So let's talk about that for a second. When we eat, we break down our food into glucose molecules. In response to that, our body releases insulin. So we eat something, we get glucose into our bloodstream, we release insulin to clear that glucose out of our bloodstream. Our body really doesn't like sugar floating around in our bloodstream. It wants to get it out of there. So insulin is released and That tells our body, let's use what we need for energy right now, and we're going to store the rest as fat. So insulin kind of grabs onto that glucose, and it puts it into the cells where it can be used for energy right away. If we have more than we need at the time, right, so we eat a little bit more than our body needs right that minute, it will store it as fat for later. So that is our stored energy. So we have our immediate energy from what we ate, and then we have our fat is stored energy. So it's a great way to think of it. That fat hanging around is stored energy. And it makes sense that our body would want to work that way because we came from a place of feast and famine. So we wanted to eat as much as we could, use what we needed right then, and then store the rest for times that we were not eating. The problem is, in America right now, we're usually eating all the time. So we're not really giving our bodies a chance to use that stored fat for energy. The other thing is when we get used to having sort of fresh energy, 
our body doesn't really like to do the work of accessing our stored energy. So the best way I heard this described is like, if you think of our energy producing factory as a chef, and so the chef likes to make us an energy meal using fresh ingredients. So it is going to turn up the ghrelin and it is going to ask you to take in fresh food because chef wants fresh food to make a meal. If we are not taking in fresh food and it has to then go to our freezer section and it has to get frozen food and it has to do a little bit more work, got to thaw it, got to be a little more creative because it's not going to be quite as fun as fresh food. But that's using our fat, our stored energy for energy when we need it, if we don't eat. Now, too much insulin can be a problem. If you think about the fact that insulin is taking glucose and putting it into our cells for energy, it then takes the excess and stores it as fat, and we're not giving ourselves a chance to access that fat, we're going to run out of fat storage. And so what used to be pretty easy for insulin to put that glucose away becomes much more difficult. So for you visual learners out there like me, it's like packing a suitcase, okay? So if all of our fat needs to go into a suitcase, when the suitcase is empty, it's very easy. It doesn't take much energy at all for insulin to put that fat into storage. It doesn't take energy to put the clothes into the suitcase. Now, if our fat stores are full, so our suitcase gets full, it's a lot harder to put more stuff in there. This is where you might have to sit on the suitcase to close it, right? We're like really trying to jam it in there and it takes a lot more energy. So it starts to take a lot more insulin to push that fat into storage, to push that extra glucose into storage. This is how I like to think of insulin resistance. We're resistant to the initial amount of insulin that we needed because we have run out of room for fat storage. So we need more insulin to push that extra glucose into storage. The other problem can come if we eat something very sugary, very concentrated sugar. So apple juice versus an apple. An apple, we eat it, glucose comes into our bloodstream, but we've got some fiber, we've got some stuff to damper the response a little bit, and then insulin is released, we use what we need, we store the rest, everything works great. Now, if we take that same apple and turn it into apple juice, the amount of sugar that hits our bloodstream is significantly higher. So instead of having this little bump in our bloodstream of glucose, we have a huge spike. And what that does is sort of tells our brain to flood the system with tons of insulin. Like instead of getting two sugars, we got 2,000 sugars. And so our body releases a ton of insulin to get rid of it. Sometimes it's going to overshoot, right? And then we're going to get a crash where our blood sugar may go lower than our body wants it to be because we've sort of overshot with this massive insulin release. So this is where you might see people talking about a sugar crash or I just feel really tired after I eat a high sugary meal. Is our body has sort of gotten out of whack. We've released too much insulin because we took in too much sugar. So this is how too much sugar can be a problem. 
The other thing I want to talk to you about, let's go back to our friends, ghrelin and leptin. If we take in too much sugar and then we have too much insulin release, our blood sugar goes too low because we overshot and now we've triggered ghrelin. So even though we may have just eaten a very calorie dense, high sugar meal that should calorically leave us satisfied and maybe even volume leave us satisfied, our body is going to tell us we are hungry. And because it is trying to reestablish this glucose balance. So I can tell you, I was like this. I was hungry, truly physically hungry every two hours. And it's because I just had messed with this cycle so much that it was not under good control and my blood sugar would go low and my body would tell me I was hungry and I would eat. So that is how we can sort of mess with our ghrelin, with our hunger hormone, our growling hormone, if we have too much sugar. We can overshoot, our body needs to correct, and so we are hungry. Again, even though sometimes intellectually we think like, I probably shouldn't even be hungry yet, but I am. That's what's going on. Now let's talk about leptin. Leptin is our, I feel full. Leptin is very interesting because it needs two things. It needs your stomach to stretch a little bit to be activated. It also cannot have too much insulin around. If we have a big insulin surge, that blocks leptin. Isn't that interesting? So cookies and king cake are my two examples where I can eat a cookie And I swear my body does not process it as food. And I have decided this is why. It is such a sugar hit to my system that leptin is not released. So my brain does not think it is full. It really is not counting it as food. Didn't eat enough to stretch my stomach to release leptin. But even if I did, it's so much insulin that I'm blocked. My brain doesn't know that I ate, that I'm supposed to feel full. King cake is the same way, so much sugar. So here you're eating this piece of king cake that might be significant in size, no judgment, but it's so much sugar that your brain doesn't even register it that you ate because your leptin is totally blocked. Now, I thought I was doomed. I was not doomed. I thought I had just messed up my hunger hormones so much I was never gonna be able to fix it, but that really was not the case. It's why when I first started my journey, I decided to go 90 days without concentrated sugar and to not snack between meals. I was like, let's just see what happens. This was the knowledge that I had to make that decision. I wanted to stop this huge sugar influx when I ate, give my hunger hormones a chance to work like they're supposed to, and I didn't want to be constantly feeding my body. I wanted to give my body some time in between meals to maybe get to using some fat storage. Send little chef to the freezer. If we're eating a lot of sugar and we're snacking all the time, none of those things can happen. Our hunger hormones are gonna be out of whack and little chef is never gonna be able to go to the freezer and access our fat storage for stored energy. So what are some things we can do in addition to decreasing our sugar? Well. Protein can help reduce ghrelin levels. So we protein that does signal to ghrelin, our growling hunger hormone, to calm down. Fiber-rich foods, whole grains, vegetables, all that, 
that helps leptin. So if we have protein-veggie meal combos, we are satisfying our growler and we are letting our leptin tell our brain we're good. Interestingly, I always promote sleep. Sleep or lack of sleep really does mess with our ghrelin levels. So you may just anecdotally see this. If you're really tired, you feel like you're hungrier, or maybe you're even craving sugary foods, this is why. Lack of sleep totally messes with your ghrelin. Hydration, same thing. Our body, if it is thirsty and wants water and you are not giving it water, will start to release ghrelin because it'll take the water from food if it has to. So if it's thirsty, it is going to increase your ghrelin. So some of these old diet rules are making sense, right? If you're hungry, drink a glass of water first. This is why. You might not truly be hungry for food. Your body is hungry for water. And so it is releasing your hunger hormone to get you to drink something. Regular exercise doesn't need to be super strenuous, okay? Just some movement can really improve your leptin sensitivity, meaning I don't need quite as much to feel full. I just need the normal amount. I'm more sensitive to leptin. I can feel it better. And of course, mindful eating. Eating slowly and mindfully can reduce ghrelin and give leptin a chance to signal that we're done. These sugary snacks and these overprocessed foods, just consider maybe 2024, you could use a little bit less of those. Again, I did it because I want things to be easy and I don't like to be hungry. Trying to put my health first when I was hungry every two hours really felt like torture. I really didn't like it. So reducing my sugar and processed foods and limiting my snacking was really just to give my hunger hormones a chance to recalibrate, and it was so much better. I could easily start to go four, even six hours without being hungry, which made more sense from what I was eating. Like if I had a full breakfast, I shouldn't be hungry two hours later. So it just really helped me. I hope it helps you. I hope that this was helpful. If you need help making a two-pound plan and sort of putting some of this into practice, I am happy to help. Please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. It really does help reach more people. And I just want to thank you for joining me. Understanding how this all works this little nerdy episode for you can really be a vital step in improving your health and wellness goals. Knowledge is power. So stay tuned for more episodes. I'll see you next time. Take care and have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember, weight loss can be simple if you focus on mindfulness and self-care. If you're ready to jumpstart your weight loss journey, visit me at www.sugarfreemd.com forward slash two pound. That's the number two and the word pound. Schedule a free two pound plan call. We will work together to create a personalized plan for you to lose two pounds in one week. Until then, see you in the next episode.